Season three of We Are All Americans was recorded in the summer of 2020 in the midst of the global COVID-19 pandemic and the reinvigorated Black Lives Matter movement after the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. Welcome to We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis, and today we are recording at the ICALA in downtown Los Angeles as part of Field Workshop Action Projects, a series of short-term projects and activities that focus on learning, civic engagement, and self-care. And we have different participants coming in at every hour. So please, you can introduce yourself. Tell me who you are. My name is Yerne Gabon. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. I migrated to the United States um, through my mom. Um, that was 20, uh, 1998. Prior to that, I've lived in a number of places that I've worked, including Europe, um, Asia, and the Americas uh, before fully leaving Jamaica and um, having the United States has my my own my my home. Can you tell the story of what brought you here? Well, um, when I was a child, I've always spoke of living in Los not even Los Angeles because I didn't know of Los Angeles, but I knew of Hollywood because I was so interested in movie making and show business and theater and all that kind of stuff. And I was told that all that stuff happened in a place called Hollywood. So that was my dream as a child, um, living in Hollywood. And I, I, never, I never stopped thinking about that. And I never stopped not wanting it, even though I've lived in other places that had some of the same opportunities, including London and Paris and Berlin and Belgium and New York and stuff. It was going to be Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So um, in 20, in 2000, just at the turn of the new millennium, mm. I said that was a good time to make the move. And um, prior to that, I had a, a career in, in the arts as a makeup and special effects artist, an art director, a model, a singer, an actor. And I was going to do it. So I moved to Los Angeles that time. And I also had a whole situ a situation, but a story about my granduncle who first um, came to Los Angeles and made it his home, leaving Jamaica when he was about 16. He stored away on a boat, got to Miami, and this was before the war, and then jumped off the boat. This is what he told me and swam ashore. Mm -hmm. And then he made it to Mississippi, and for some reason the war started, and he was shipped overseas. This is World War II? I think it was World War II. Yeah. He was shipped overseas, and while he was in the war, he met other um, soldiers, and met one soldier in particular who they kept a relationship going, um, a friendship, and wanted him to send food back to Europe. And it seems like it was from one of the Eastern European countries. I, I, I don't remember exactly where, but it was connected close to Germany. Yeah. Well, it was 
the center of World War II. Okay. Yeah. And um, he told them about crystals and somehow my granduncle got involved in the crystal business and became with his wife a chandelier designer for design chandeliers for the sets and for movies. And when I learned that, I was super excited that I had a granduncle, my grandmother's younger brother, who was here in Los Angeles, um, connected to show business and serving in the arts. And literally that person was also earlier on before I moved was someone who helped in my going to theater school and sending some of the money to keep me in the school or to keep some of my expenses going, which is quite um, a big help as my family had no part whatsoever in a creative journey or career um, in the arts. So yeah, that, you, I remember you've told me before that they were not interested or supportive. No, not interested, not supportive, none of that. But I was going to do it by any means. So, you know, with the help of my, fr my um, high school friend's mother who said, you could come work in my kitchen and be the seasoner. I would stuff meat. And then my cousin came from the deep countryside and she was like, oh, we've got an uncle. He's in California and he has money. I was like, okay, what's his number? <laughs> She didn't give me the number straight up, but she let me talk to him and I asked him and he gave it to me. And back then my money was coming in Federal Express package and envelope and all there is was, a month, was, was cash and it says love, nothing else. So I was too happy with that little money. But as time goes by, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to um, come visit him and I came and I, I met him and he was the most amazing human beings in my family that I have met. He was warm, he was sensitive, he was super cool, he was quiet, he paid attention, he listens. And I was just so taken with him, you know what I mean? And, but when he says, do you want a restaurant because I cooked? I said, uh, I will come back. By then I had a career and that was being a model and traveling the world and photographing and working and stuff. So no interest. But I came back to visit him after a play I directed that came to California. And he took me to the airport, dropped me off at the airport. And while I was on my way to the plane, I must have, I must have by then on the plane because the plane had not left yet from what I was told. I got home. And I was telling my cousins how this uncle was. He was just an amazing man. He came to America. He made it. He fought in the war, blah, blah, blah. I was going off. I'm just so proud of him and how warm and kind he was. Then I start unpacking my suitcase and I start finding a stash of cash, oh, pieces wow. of crystals. And now I was racing to the callbacks to thank him for all this money and gifts, me and my cousins. I called, and back then it was collect call. Phone rang, 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 then operator chipped in. She, my, somebody took the call and says, at the time, my name has not, wasn't changed yet, it was Henry. And they said, it's Giselle, she, the goddaughter. Art passed from a heart attack at the airport. And I, I wailed like, I can't, I, I still remember, and, the, the wail that I wailed when I learned that 
she had a heart attack and died. That's so devastating. It was. But um, quickly, I, I, I just made a turn around and I came to the funeral and I met all the people that he knew from the studios and everywhere. And I took business cards and <laughs> I had told him I was going to come back. And the comeback, I was going to come back. This was the affirmation that I was going to live in LA. So um, I traveled around a bit. I, I worked and I've been doing stuff. And I've always thought about living in Los Angeles. And when I came back this time, it was at the time of the turn of the century. And I came back on the television show, the Jamie Foxx show as an actor. And it was by the help of Henry Johnson, who was the vice president at the time of Jamie Foxx, who was a friend, a very good friend of my uncle, mm. my granduncle. And he said, if you ever needed anything, call me. So that led me here. And it's been going on 20 years now living in Los Angeles. I think you moved here the same year. I moved here in 2000 also. Yeah. yeah. Two decades it's calling crazy. this place home, yeah. you know. So For me, it's the longest place I've ever lived. Well, I've moved around a bunch. Also, for me, it's yeah. the longest place I've ever lived, and it's becoming longer than home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming longer than home. It's been a very interesting journey. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm no longer working as, a, as an actor in movies or on TV or doing radio dramas or recording or singing in clubs. Or, I'm a visual artist. But I will say this. The discipline of storytelling through those means have allowed me to tell stories in similar ways visually where the performance and the performance art is never too far from what I do now. It's always been a part of it. Mm -hmm. But um, I've always very felt very proud of my, my granduncle. And I've always felt like the way he came to this country and how he has not even knowing knowing the country, enough about the country in which he's now called his new home, went and fought for that country. I too was going to make this country my home. I find that also really fascinating. I've told you, I think that part of what started this project was when I realized that my great grandfather got his citizenship after serving in the military. That was my granduncle as well. I, I was wondering, and it's, to me, it's like, amazing that somebody would put their life at risk for a country that does not yet recognize them as a citizen. Isn't that amazing? And I always, I never got to ask, you know, I didn't know my great grandfather. He died before I was born, but I, yeah, to me, I'm fascinated by what, what brings someone to make that decision. And, or, or, and then I don't know on, on my great grandfather's side, for him, how much of it was the enticement of getting citizenship? Yeah. If he knew that would be part of it or if it happened as a icing on the cake after the fact, I don't know what his decision was. I had no idea to how, what would prompt them to do that because this is like going to war. Um, yeah. But I feel like that might have been some kind of incentive to citizenship back then and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because... I just felt like that had to be, but I don't know. I've never asked or found out yeah. either if what was the conversation prior to going to war and when, do you, when were you back? Did you get the citizenship? But I, I knew he had his wife 
and then when she when he came back um they got married i think he had another jamaican friend who two jamaican friends who were also on stored away on the boat and jumped and swam ashore and they all you know came to la and had wives and had children and had family and i met them all when i met him but i think for me he's one of the most amazing persons that entered my life this quick and his reason for entering it was to remind me of when you travel a journey stay open stay willing mm. stay connected stay grounded because you never know out of him comes henry johnson um i got on jamie fox as an actor i've met lots of people in the industry even now that i still don't practice as an actor i still stay connected with my friends that i've met so and everybody goes back to this one grand uncle everybody go back to this one colonel yeah it's interesting also that he would have not known that this was my dream as a child i told every the first time i saw a tv and saw somebody oh, what is that it's a television oh really and those people in there what do, they're movie stars not tv stars movie stars back then i said i wanted to be a film star because in jamaica they don't use the word uh, film unless you were you know went to school and you're you're taught mm -hmm. but the patois which is the is is film star muambi a film star mm -hmm. and they would ask you what do you want to be when you grow up muambi a film star and one time i said it to a teacher and she says could you spell <laughs> film star <laughs> and i was trying to figure out i spell it it says no the word is film <laughs> so yeah it's it's almost like both you and your grand uncle lived you're living and he lived the american dream yeah yeah almost exactly i'm gonna move there and i'm gonna make it yeah totally which is uh, sort of rare you realize yeah it, it, it and how and also how we got there we were going to make something he does what he wanted to do through a connect another connection with the crystals and had his chandelier stuff his stuff was right there in la Cienega and santa monica i saw the store with all the lights and i was so proud of him i'm like oh my god this store is owned by my uncle mm -hmm. he came here store away he went to the war you know all that stuff was like super excited to me um my journey actually has been similar it's 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 a lot of hard work but i was able to be the first in my country to have been inducted in the black filmmakers hall of fame with a video i directed called sukre ame which means bittersweet and it was just about my life i always write stories about life and things that are close to me affect me or somebody that i know and then got on tv got into the movies you know um it's really wonderful when you when you think about the kid who was told was never going to be to amount to anything and how that kid out of fear decided to reverse mm -hmm. the thoughts of others and become this person who is not only having a practice in los angeles but in africa in europe in jamaica in the americas in latin america and throughout the Caribbean. That is pretty cool. I, I, I love my life and I'm very grateful and I will never forget that even for one moment, 
how I'm lift up by the generosity of strangers within the community that wow. is named artists, the arts. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think it means to be American? You know, it's, that's a very interesting question now. If you asked me that 10 years ago, I would be fireworks everywhere. <laughs> and I can tell you, you know, I mean, I would have, I felt like I would have died for it too, even though I wasn't going to go to no war. But in other ways, I'm always willing to serve and, you know, to, to honor and to be very patriotic. But um, I think America's, the value has changed greatly from when I first got interested and I first um, decided I was going to make America my new home. I am now having a lot of thoughts about what it means to be an American because I'm able to see so much more that frightens me or allow me to think deeper. Imagine I have gone to institution. I returned to school at 42. Never in a million years I would think that someone would be so brave enough to call the police on me because I was black in a school. That happens? Yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens at, at USC. Yeah. And then when I was in grad school at Otis, um, they didn't call the cop, but they threatened that if, if I continue speaking the way I'm speaking, the police would be called. That, because somebody was questioning your presence on campus? In, at, you at USC, yourself? my presence. Yeah. My presence. I'm sitting there with my laptop doing my own schoolwork and feeling Looking, a, that to me is like a very studious oh it was all studious how and when could i you not be a student with your laptop and when i saw them coming hmm. i knew i was the only person in the space that i was even now looking back it feel like i am taking the band-aid off a wound that is still not healed yeah. it never will heal i still get hurt over it because one the description was i'm an old black man that is not supposed to be there. That's what the description was. Yeah. Because you're not typical college age, too. There's an extra layer of suspect. How dare you sit on a laptop pretending to be there? You, you, this is not a place for you. Yeah. It's both the yeah. police from the street and the USC police coming towards me, hand on their guns, and they're walking, and I see them. Mm -hmm. And I'm now becoming an actor. I have to perform. I'm pretending to even typing more. And looking over my notes and, you know, pretending to, this, this is much what their student looks like. And to be interrogated to the point of fear, mm -hmm. the, the fear that they instill in me, it was something else. What are you doing here? Give me your, your school ID, your driver's license. Where do you live? What, what, why you, and even with all of that, it was never enough. Finally, I walked away and I said, if you decide to shoot, you can do it because I'm not taking any more of this. And I walked away. And, in my, and they did actually say, you, you should not come back at this side. They told me that while I was walking. And I continued out. I never will forget it. Never, ever will forget it. This is funny because maybe three weeks ago, 
USC, I wrote to the new president because I saw something as an alum. Mm. And man, what it is, what, what it means to be an American. Oh my God, what a question. I have a hard time answering it myself. Yeah. I'd like I, I, I wrote to her and she had, they had the new police chief, chief um, reach out to me. And I told him, I said, I'm not interested in a pillar talks because that doesn't go anywhere. Pillar talks are very private. I'm interested in speaking to students and, and, and teachers alike about my story and what I think could change that because I understand their culture. They never understood mine. Mm -hmm. It's almost, I have to speak your language. You never knew mine. That's the problem. For sure. Big yeah. one in institution. And then going to Otis in a program, my graduate program, thinking all that stuff was left behind me. Another student felt threatened by my presentation, how I present myself in a conversation and decide she was going to call the cops. We wound up in arbitration. Wow. So um, I've been bruised. And my, my, since then, I have not stopped looking for other places to live because I think things have changed. Um, I love my friends. I love the journey of people I've met. I'm going to own the good and the bad because there are lessons in life and everything happens for a purpose. But I have to get to the point where I have to feel within myself a sense of what it's like to be free, not having fear. Yeah. If I wake up every day with fear, I'm still not free. It's like a caged bird. The bird will sing from the cage, flap its wings and do all the things. It's never free. Mm -hmm. It's never free. So answering your question, I told you a story. I don't know exactly how to answer that question because I'm still in a place of understanding what it means to be an American. Um, Do you feel that you are yourself American? I have, I have taken the oath. Yeah. I have signed, I have the old citizenship, of course. And I was very proud when I was doing that. I'm still proud of my decision. I just have reservations because of my experiences. Yeah. I mean, I, re I remember talking with uh, another Otis student who's since graduated. She's in one of one of these episodes early on, and she is um, a refugee from Iraq who came on political asylum. And when she got her citizenship, she got a green card. I remember it was right after Trump was inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying to me, I hope I worked so, so hard to get this, but now I hope I've made, chose the right place. And she was questioning that, like, did I really come to the right country? And that's a really hard, I imagine that's a hard, compared to when you're born here and you have no choice, you're yeah. just here, but to, it's such a big decision to move and then to feel like, was that the right decision is hard. It's well, good you kept your dual citizenship though. Yeah, it's very interesting even with that because I have served, I have not gone to the service, but I have served, I've, 
worked with teenagers, I've worked with, with, with alcohol, anonymous kids, I've worked with communities, battered women. I've gone in there and insert my skill to elevate and to empower. And I feel very strongly that I have served my country as well, which is this one. And I have been continuing to serve the global community within the same way. So I feel good about being a global citizen. At this point, I am bruised about being American. And I have fear when I carried an American passport abroad because I have been attacked in London. In London, in a, a very beautiful place where people are supposed to be. We went to this spa, a friend of mine, and she, was, she took me there. And they, we were talking politics for some reason. And they went off and they found out about America. And I have to say, I did not vote for Donald Trump. We don't care. You're an American. You carry an American passport. That's your country. It's hard to, yeah, I have a good friend. He's not alive anymore, but he was, lived in Ireland. And when he, we would have these conversations on the phone where he would say, the problem with your country is, the problem with you is, and I had to always remind him, the country, the government is not the people. It may be in our constitution that it is, but it's not how it functions. And we don't, just because the government's making decisions doesn't mean we all agree with them. And it was always a really, it's a hard, it's hard not to take that personally, but if it, even when I agreed with everything she was criticizing. But I'm hopeful, you know I mean? Um, there is community that still stands up and stands for something. And I realize while I can't change everything, if I can change one thing, I will do that. And that's hopeful. Every tree was once a seed. And I believe in planting seeds. So um, I'm hopeful. I, I still, there are times when this place still give me butterflies when I see certain things or I meet certain people and I hear certain stories. So it's not a pack of, um, how do I say it? Well, recently I did a project um, where I pay homage to Betty Saar, who is a very dear friend of mine. And I've chosen to use shards of broken, blown glass. Mm -hmm. And the shards is not because it's broken sometimes, it's the end or the journey, the end of a journey of anything. Those shards can be strength in some other ways. So I do, I'm very hopeful and very optimistic that in my lifetime, I will get some freedom within this journey, whether it's in America or anywhere else I go in the world with this journey that I'm walking on. So I think there is hope. I just think there's work, you know, like Kamala Harris, uh, the nominated VP said, there will be no vaccine for racism. Mm. It is true. It's going to take all of us to, to do this work. You know, I mean, um, I get I get little chills right now thinking about two nephews that I have who are Caucasian. When they were born, their parents brought them in my hand. They didn't have sitters yet. And I haven't seen them in a while. And I don't know what that really is. And every time I think about it, friends just said, you should just call and see. But I, I just don't know what that is. And I do miss them because mm. it's never a skin. It's a connection. They live local? They're local, and I love those boys. You know, I mean, they. I, I, I'm, I'm always going to be their uncle. I don't see them as much, and I haven't seen them in a while. But it feels like it's 
it feels like as they're growing, not with them, it feels a little different that, you know, I go and I ask and I would, I would, where are they? They're either out with friends or they're doing homework and not available to see me. And, and it feels like, almost like you've taken my nephews away from me. And that really, that's, so I'm just saying to say that I don't know what people think when you've built something and whether my, we're culturally indifferent, there was never an argument. And so those could climb me like a tree when they were small <laughs> and I adore them. I just saw pictures of them last night. So I'm thinking about uh, that. How story. old are they now? They're teenagers now. Uh, well, some, so you, you know, right, that some of teenagers i know that they will go i know that i expect that I, they have other interests than hanging out with them. i i expect that that yeah. no longer they want to be the cool but i still will see them prior you know i mean i were taking them to lunch and they want to talk to me about stuff you yeah. know what i mean but a phone call would be cool i get it and then i told them yeah i made two ceramic shoe and i told them i said you guys are going to be walking soon and not walking with the legs, but you're going to do your own thing. Yeah. I don't want you ever to forget each other and forget how we used to have a lot of fun. So I was setting myself up for that. I just kind of just felt like just no connection is almost like, wow. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, so you wonder where yeah. is that coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard. But hey, I'm optimistic. Um, I still feel like there's hope somewhere and it's going to take work. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. This has been a really good conversation. Thank you for sharing that story about school because I know that it's hard to relive yeah. things that are not easy, that, that were painful, and I appreciate your generosity in sharing that story. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. for having and um, be a part of this.